Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for Monday, April 17th. I'm Shelby Herbert reporting for KFSK. Petersburg's Borough Assembly will meet tonight at 6 p.m. In response to a high volume of public inquiries, Assemblymember Thomas Fine Walsh will report on the safety measures the borough's Human Resources Department implemented after a fatal accident in 2016. On July 4th of that year, Parks and Recreation employee William Christopher Allen suffered a seizure while driving a borough van. The ensuing crash took the lives of his fellow Parks and Recreation employees, 18-year-old Molly Parks and 19-year-old Marie Giesbrecht. Following that, a Ph.D. student from Pennsylvania State University will brief the community on his research on the effects of tourism in small towns across southeast Alaska. Ryan Naylor conducted research in Petersburg, Wrangell, and Ketchikan from May 2022 to January 2023. He explored how residents experience the impacts of tourism. Naylor has returned for a community engagement trip to look at ways to give back to the community. The Assembly's first item of unfinished business is to complete the final reading of an ordinance to adjust the 2023 budget. The ordinance includes 12 budget adjustments. Among them is a proposal to transfer 50% of the borough's general fund surplus from last year to the Property Development Fund. The purpose of the fund is to support the purchase, development, and improvement of property owned by the borough. This ordinance was unanimously approved in its first and second readings. The Assembly will also complete its second of three readings of an ordinance to update local amendments to adhere to international building requirements for snow load and insulation. The Assembly unanimously approved this ordinance in its first reading. In new business, the Assembly will review a resolution to approve the hospital board's site selection for a new hospital facility. It would also allow the board to take the next steps to rezone the site and proceed with pre-construction contracting. The Assembly will also review a resolution that would accept about $56,000 in grant funding from the State of Alaska Department of Health. The resolution would commit about 29,000 of these funds towards local community planning planning supply, local emergency planning supplies, about $17,000 towards a microscope with a camera attachment for the Petersburg Medical Center lab, and about $10,000 towards chain link fencing and safety materials for the Fort Fort Mort Fryer ball fields. Finally, The Assembly will hear 2023 property tax assessment appeals. The appraisal company of Alaska will brief the borough on the property valuation process for Petersburg. This year, 67 appeals were filed, including one appeal filed after the deadline. Of these, 46 appeals have been resolved. Petersburg's Borough Assembly will meet at 6 p.m. in the Assembly Chambers. KFSK will broadcast that live and post the recording on our website, kfsk.org. Anyone from the community can join the meeting in person, by phone, or on Zoom. There's more information on KFSK's community calendar. As a reminder, Borough Business is a call-in program at 1230 where I will speak with Borough officials. The number for that call-in program, if you'd like to ask a question, is 907-772-3808.
City officials in the Prince of Wales Island community of Craig are responding to scattered reports from residents complaining about issues with their tap water. City officials maintain that the water is safe to drink. Some Craig residents reported in a local Facebook group that their water tasted bad, left stains in their toilets, or irritated their skin. City City Administrator Brian Templin says water crews have been responding to residents' complaints. He says a recent spike in demand linked to a large customer briefly stirred up sediment in the water system and left some customers with murky water. But he says city officials have not been able to determine the cause of all residents' complaints. It's a difficult situation when you have um, individual complaints or a small number of complaints in a wider system where you're not getting other complaints, right? Because then there's questions of, of is it problems with the water mains? Is it problems with the individual systems uh, on property owners' properties? you know, or or where those problems are at. It's been over a month since a failure at Craig's drinking water treatment plant caused some residents to lose water, while others had low water pressure or discolored water. Residents were told to boil their water before consuming it for about a week after the failure and to conserve it for another 10 days after that. City officials lifted the boil water notice in mid-March. Templin says Craig's water remains safe to drink. He says the city's drinking water system goes through regular testing and meets standards set by the state's Department of Environmental Conservation. So there's a regular schedule of tests that go on, and all of those tests have shown that the the water in the system is, is safe to use. As of Thursday afternoon, no new boil water notice had been put in place. An ash cloud that has drifted from a Russian volcano to Alaska is disrupting travel across the state. Alaska Airlines had canceled 37 flights as of 11 a.m. on Friday, bringing total cancellations for the airline to over 90 since Wednesday, according to an airline spokesperson who said the destinations were too numerous to list. The cancellations have impacted flights to and from Alaska and within the state. The airline also warned that more cancellations are possible and delays are likely. They're specifically monitoring the location and movement of the ash cloud over southeast Alaska. The National Weather Service's aviation warning includes parts of that region. Nathan Eckstein, Eckstein, a science and operations officer at the Volcanic Ash Advisory Center in Anchorage, says the cloud is hanging over the Gulf of Alaska and the North Pacific Ocean. So we have kind of a complicated system because this volcanic cloud is wrapped into a low that's south of the Gulf of Alaska. Some parts of it have gone into British Columbia and the Yukon and western Canada. Tendrils of the volcanic cloud have even moved over Washington state. The cloud is made up of sulfur dioxide gas and some ash. Eckstein says they're analyzing images to see how the cloud is breaking up and where the pieces may move next. The ash is not going to stay suspended forever. It's going to fall out. It's going to get rained out if it's underneath clouds that are precipitating. Eckstein says that any ash in the cloud will likely disperse in the next few days.
Ketchikan's borough assembly is set to vote on an ordinance that would require owners of short-term rentals to secure free annual permits. As Reagan Miller reports from Ketchikan, it's part of a larger effort to track how these types of rentals are affecting Ketchikan's housing market. Ketchikan has a housing problem. There's a lot of demand, but supply is running short and it could even be driving residents away. Officials have been exploring the problem for years, trying to find ways to make housing more available. Officials say short-term rentals, like those listed on Airbnb and Vervo, could be playing a role in shrinking what's out there. It's a topic that's been discussed both nationally and around Alaska. Right now, it's hard for borough officials to keep an eye on those rentals. They don't need a permit from the Ketchikan Gateway Borough, which limits how much officials know about the properties. Ketchikan's assembly will discuss an ordinance that could change that by requiring owners to apply for a free permit from the borough. Richard Harney is the borough's planning director. He says the ordinance would help Ketchikan track these numbers the same way other communities have. We don't know where they are. We don't know how many there are. We have an idea of what how many there are. They're supposed to register for sales tax. Some of them do. We're not quite sure how many of them actually are paying their sales tax and, and registering for um, you know as a business. The ordinance defines a short-term rental as a dwelling where someone transient stays for less than a month without the owner living on the property. The permits would be free and need to be renewed once a year. It's similar to one that was voted down last December, minus a largely unrelated section that would have laid out rules for properties that don't meet the borough's land use code. Harney says the permitting push is not about trying to push out vacation rentals. It's about balance. So we recognize the value of these, of these short-term rentals. However, we do have a housing shortage. Um, we do need to get a grasp of uh, and an understanding of what our housing market is actually doing. And, in, and to do so, we need to identify what all of the pieces are to that puzzle. A second ordinance also is being presented as an option. This version would not require annual renewals. We're bringing it back with two different variations. One, with the yearly uh, expiration date, which has been recommended by the Planning Commission now twice. Um, and then we also have a substitute ordinance, which strips out all of the, um, ha- strips out that, that yearly um, renewal. And it's just a, um, it's just a, a perpetual permit, administrative permit. Assembly members are scheduled to debate the ordinance and take the first of two votes on the measure on Monday. Another business, the Assembly will consider asking borough staff to write an ordinance that would remove the senior sales tax exemption on alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana products. Assembly members Judith McQuery and Glenn Thompson are sponsoring the measure. They submitted a written statement saying that senior tax exemptions are, by and large, helpful for necessary expenses like utilities and food, but that alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana shouldn't fall in the same category. McQuery and Thompson argue that nixing the exemption could spur seniors to make healthier choices. The ordinance would not change any other senior sales tax exemptions or the rules of who qualifies. People age 65 or older who have lived in Ketchikan for at least half a year without more than two years spent out of town. If a majority of the assembly greenlights the concept, it'll return for an initial vote at a future meeting. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. It'll be at least another year before the first large cruise ships visit Prince of Wales Island. A consortium of native corporations working to transform a former logging dock in Klawak into a destination for tourists has delayed the cruise's port opening, the cruise port's opening until 2024. The Oceania 
Cruises ship Regatta was originally scheduled to tie up at the dock owned by the village corporation Klawakinya next month. The roughly 650-passenger vessel was originally slated to visit Klawak four times this summer. But getting to the former logging dock, getting the former logging dock ready for visitors is a big undertaking. Nick Nickerson, Klawak's mayor and a member of Klawakinia's board of directors, says the port just isn't ready yet. Uh, we felt um, it would be better to wait a year. You know, that way we have everything lined up, all our ducks are in line, and we would have a better port to present, you know, to the tourism industry. According to Klawakinia, the port will include a welcome center, retail, and a cafe, walking trails, historic historical displays, buses, and bathrooms once it's open. It's going to be done in stages. You know, we're looking at a port reception, um, a building reception. Of course, we have to develop, the, you know, the port facility, you know, so the ship can come in and we're looking at transportation. The port is a collaboration between Klawakinia and Nadina, a partnership between Doyon Limited and Huna Totem Corporation. The project is modeled after Huna Totem's Icy Strait Point port in Huna. It's expected to be the first port to host large cruise ships on Prince of Wales Island. The city and borough of Juneau has a new finance director. Angie Flick has worked in the city's finance department as a treasurer since early last year. Before that, she worked in finance for Maricopa County in Arizona. I feel like I've got a a good, well-rounded view of financial operations for a, a local government, given my past history and now what I've learned here in Treasury. Flick says she's looking forward to helping the Juno Assembly and the city manager work on issues like housing and tourism. I think what's great about a finance department is we're a central organization that underlies everything that the city does. Flick replaces Jeff Rogers, who announced his resignation in February. At an Assembly Finance Committee meeting, Rogers said Flick stood out in a pool of strong internal and external candidates. She has really been incredible to work with. She's been a leader in the department. Um, You know, if you you take the sort of leader in every chair model uh, to heart, uh, Angie has done that. Flick's first day on the job will be today. Rogers will work alongside her until she leaves in June. This season's, this season, Juno, this season, Juno's Eagle Crest ski area has had its most challenging staff shortage to date. That's according to General Manager Dave Scanlon. He told the Juno Assembly Finance Committee last Wednesday that unfilled staff positions caused a potential loss of $50,000 in revenue. Scanlon said Eagle Crest lacked key staff, including ski instructors, cashiers, and lift operators. They also started the season without a supervisor for the rental and repair shop. We literally were starting the season with one person to run the rental shop and nobody to mount or repair skis. Eagle Crest offered some incentives for employees this season. They gave $2 per hour bonuses for those who worked in the early part of the season. They also offered free meals. Still, Scanlon said, the lack of affordable housing and the high cost of living in Juneau were barriers. Now, Eagle Crest is considering hiring workers from 
from abroad. Scanlon is exploring a partnership with an Australian ski area to see whether they could share seasonal ski workers. So we got think outside of the box. Okay, who likes Alaska? The Aussies like Alaska. So <laughs> you got to think outside of the box in these days. Scanlon proposed raising prices by 10% next year. He said Eagle Crest charges less than other similarly sized ski areas in Alaska and the Pacific Northwest. Eagle Crest is also requesting funding from the Juneau Assembly to help cover rising costs. The Assembly will consider the request as part of its budget cycle over the next several weeks. KFSK is celebrating National Poetry Month by sharing poetry readings each weekday. Today's poetry reading features Kari Peterson. I'm Kari Peterson, and I'm reading Sometime by Eugene Field. Last night, my darling, as you slept, I thought I heard you sigh, and to your little crib I crept and watched a space thereby. And then I stooped and kissed your brow, for oh, I love you so. You are too young to know it now, but sometime you shall know. Sometime, when in a darkened place, where others come to weep, your eyes shall look upon a face, calm in eternal sleep. The voiceless lips, the wrinkled brow, the patient smile shall show. You are too young to know it now, but sometime you may know. Look backward, then, into the years, and see me here tonight. See, oh, my darling, how my tears are falling as I write. And feel once more upon your brow the kiss of long ago. You are too young to know it now, but sometime you shall know. These poetry readings are a production of KFSK, presented throughout the month of April. The readings are aired at approximately 8.08 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. You can listen to many poetry readings on our website, kfsk.org.